it's scary at first for sure but once you get over the roadblocks and start being comfortable with being vulnerable and not wary of the unknown i think there's a lot of payoff for it Welcome to Let It Out, hosted by me, Katie, Katie Delbout. We have an episode today with Ryan Brenty. He's an artist and the founder of Depressed Monsters, which you'll hear all about the mental health activism that he does with his work and his art in this episode. But I relate to Ryan a lot. And in this conversation, which we recorded live in our Little Space Lounge at the Emerge Music Festival, We get into depression and what it feels like for each of us. We talk about nostalgia and how looking forward to things helps. We talk about communicating depression and relationships and a lot more. And I just wanted to, I think we've talked about depression here and there. And I haven't really talked about my depression all that much on this podcast. Although I don't know, maybe some of you would say, isn't that all you talk about? But I've always had this tendency towards melancholy which is just a nice way of saying you have depression. I have a clinical depression, which I've been able to mostly manage. And it felt really good to talk about it in this episode. And I think talking about mental health, whatever it is that you're going through, situational depression, clinical depression, clinical depression that's exasperated by situations, it's really good to talk about this stuff. It's really good to let it out. And that's what we're doing in this episode, and that's what we do on this podcast, and through my work, it's going to be something I continue to do forever. I think the through line of this podcast and my writing and all of my work is letting out things that we hold on to and we want to hide, because when we let those out, we don't have to manage them anymore, we don't have to feel alone in them anymore, and probably people will relate maybe a lot of people, and it helps you feel less alone. I've been doing that on this podcast, especially in the last six months, hopefully not in a too oversherry way. I think there's a fine line, one that I'm constantly trying to determine and figure out for myself and refiguring out for myself. And I've been doing it in my real life, and it's made me more connected to friends and family. And I'm just really grateful that I do this podcast. And with that, before we get to the conversation with Ryan, I have a big, huge, massive announcement to let out to you guys, my friends. It's a project that I've been working on for over a year. But first, I want to tell you that I'm going on a bit of a break, a hiatus, if you will, but don't even worry about it. It's going to be like four weeks. And it's honestly like a fake break because I'm not going to have a new episode weekly, but I do have some bonus episodes that are going to be sprinkled in during the break. I'm going away to work on this new project, which like I said, is actually something I've been working on since February of 2018. And I'll pop in this feed later once it's fully out in the world to tell you more. But I've been working with this Brooklyn-based design firm called Hawrath for over a year on creating 
a digital magazine. It's something that I've wanted to do since I was a kid. I don't know if it was the fact that I saw too many romantic comedies in the early 2000s, including, but not limited to, 13 going on 30. I think about that movie weirdly often, the scene where they do the photo shoot and it's like a yearbook and everything comes together in this beautiful collage that is made to make people feel less alone. This project has had so many ups and downs. And honestly, since I started it, the landscape of digital media has changed quite a bit. Publications I loved like Lenny Letter and Rookie have since closed. And so this project has required more patience of me than anything I've ever worked on, but I'm so thrilled to be letting it out into the world. So what is it? Basically, it's a huge extension of what we do here on the podcast. On the podcast, we tell soft stories, which is a concept that I define as raw, tender, vulnerable, real stories that I believe, like I was saying earlier, when we tell them, they connect us. They bind us. They make us feel less alone. And these are the types of stories that we don't usually tell on a first date or a job interview. They come out like third hangout with a friend or when you go on a trip with someone and someone tells you something tender about their lives and instantly you feel like you can do the same. And I think this podcasting format allows that to happen sooner for some reason and I want to be able to do that more, and I want to create this space for tender feelings-first stories. So Let It Out is just that. It's a space for soft stories, and sharing these soft stories requires removing this hard armor that we wear in the world to protect ourselves, and sharing them makes the world a little softer. This all started back in 2012 when I started a blog. And as you know, it's become a weekly podcast and a community for feeling feelings. And this all sprung from my enthusiasm to share things and people and ideas and places that taught me something and made me feel less alone. And it's really morphed into a place where I can talk about feelings, dark and light, depression and anxiety, as well as joy and pleasure and beauty and connection and relationships and love all in the same place. And I have heard from you guys beautiful stories of love and loss and connection and friendship based on this podcast. The more I let it out, the more gets let out back to me. And these stories on the new platform will take the form of personal essays in this online magazine. We're going to eventually have printed zines. We're going to have more interviews with what I'm calling my advisors, a soft society, if you will. They're previous podcast guests and people who people who have really impacted me in some way. I want to feature them in the site. And then we're going to be doing so many in-person community gatherings centered around sharing, letting it out. And we're kicking off the very first one in New York City in August, our big launch party for this on August 14th. So save the date, mark your calendar. Basically, after recording hundreds of conversations and facilitating journaling workshops and sharing vulnerably in my personal essays, I've found that the more I share, the easier it is to connect. So let it out. Let it out with a friend today with someone who feels safe. Maybe it's a therapist. Maybe it's a cozy family member. 
Join me in August at the event. Follow the new Let It Out on Instagram. As soon as the website's officially ready, I will let you guys know. Until then, enjoy this conversation with Ryan. And I'll be back at the end of the episode for my weekly likes and learn segment where I reveal something I've been liking and something I've been learning, as well as telling you guys what guests you can expect on the show next season. And then one more thing, during the break, I'll also be posting a special secret bonus episode for the Patreon community. So if you are not in the Patreon group, join. It's a great way to support the podcast and support this new project that we're launching. And then there's some really cool, valuable things that I offer like a theme every month and some journaling prompts. And it's become one of my favorite things that we do with the Patreon. So join there. It's a great way to support what we're doing. It's really, really small. And I'd love to grow Patreon and just see how this podcast evolves. And not just this podcast, all of my work. When you're supporting Patreon, you're supporting all the different things that we are doing at Let It Out and that we will be doing more events, more writing, more content. And I really want to keep making stuff. So it would be so cool if you could support it there. Or if not, just share it with a friend. That's enough for now. On to my conversation with Ryan. I actually forgot to tell you guys one more kind of big announcement. Very quickly, I'm starting a second podcast. It's going to be at the end of this month. I will let you know. I just want to tease that it's co-hosted with a previous podcast guest. So if any of you can guess who it is, I will send you something. I'll send you maybe a copy of my book if you don't have it, or I don't know, a little care package. Comment who you think it is on my most recent Instagram post, and I will let you know if you win. I love Ned, you guys. CBD is something that's been very useful for me. It helps with my stress and anxiety. And if you haven't tried CBD, Ned is the place to try it. You can get 15% off your order by using the code LETITOUT. All of Ned's products are organic and they're made from natural ingredients, small batch, slow crafted. I've talked to the founders on my podcast and they told me that the person that grows the plants actually plays music for them and says positive affirmations to them. It's so sweet. His name is Farmer Kurt. They just seem like this lovely company and lovely people. And I think honestly, that makes the product better. So if you want to try out CBD, it's non-psychoactive derived from the hemp plant, but it's something that has been said to help with sleep, treat insomnia. It's anti-inflammatory. It's a natural pain reliever. They have really great products. It's been said to help treat depression. And, you know, it's something that is just maybe worth a try. If you haven't tried CBD before, you know, these are areas that it's helped. And I love their, they make these chapsticks that are my favorite chapsticks in the world, but they're honestly their CBD oil that I put under my tongue. It's like You know, it just helps me when I'm out in the world. I feel a little bit more in my body and it helps me sleep. And I would really love it if you guys checked it out. Supporting the sponsors is a way to help support this podcast. And it really means a lot. So their website is www. Why did I say that? It's just helloned.letitout. And to get your free shipping and 15% off and show your support for the show, let it out. Use the code let it out. Thank you so much. The link is in the show notes. 
Hi, Ryan. Hello, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for inviting me. This is going to be fun. I've been spending a lot of time with you getting ready for this podcast, reading about everything that you've done on the internet and watching videos of you. So it's very cool to be here with you in real life. Sweet, <laughs> I recognized yeah. you right away. It's when nice I to be in. here. It's all relaxing. We have a rug around us I and know. some candles. candles and it's very cozy. My people, shoes are off. People we love. Yeah. Yeah. This is great. This is lovely. <laughs> okay. So you grew up in Las Vegas, right? I did. Yeah. I was born and raised in Las Vegas. What was that like? What was your childhood like? What were you like as a kid? Las Vegas was cool back in the in the early 90s because it was very kid-friendly. And so there was a big push to have amusement parks everywhere. And it wasn't like the Las Vegas today where it's, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. It was more so just, yeah, bring your family. Let's have family vacations here and all that stuff. So there was a lot of stuff to do in town. And so I, I didn't realize that changed. I didn't realize it became that because I think we're around the same age. I guess I was just too young to know the difference. I yeah. only remember that. Like there was a whole amusement park at MGM Grand that was awesome. And it was wow. it was themed like Popeye, I think, if I remember correctly. Oh, cool. So that was cool. And there's a lot of uh, just really fun things to do as a kid. So, I mean, it was great to grow up here. And yeah. then the switch happened and I have younger siblings. And so I've noticed it with them where it's like, okay, well, what do we do now? And I'm like, I don't have any tips for you. Like everything's kind of torn down. So a lot of video games for them and stuff. But So are yeah. you the oldest? Yeah, I'm the oldest of five. Five, yeah. wow. Are they all still here in Las Vegas? Uh, yeah, so most of them are still here. And then my sister just left just to study abroad in Spain. Wow. So she's in Spain right now. She's like my superhero. She's like just absolutely amazing. And then, is that my alarm? Oh, Maybe telling you that you need <laughs> to be here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so she's awesome. She's in, she's in Barcelona right now and she's studying abroad. She's helping uh, kids with disabilities out there for oh, school. That's great. So that's awesome. And then everyone else is here. Is being an oldest child a defining characteristic for you? I believe in the birth order. And so I think it's a defining characteristic for any mm -hmm. oldest, I would say, just because there are just certain things that you kind of pick up on growing up. And I think that when you're the oldest, you kind of like having your way sometimes. You mm -hmm. kind of like carving out your own path. And so, yeah, I think so. And and I'm a Leo too. So I think it's kind of like double. Yep. Yep. Double. Yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. That's so interesting. So this is kind of a hard left from this light conversation we're having, but when did you realize that you were depressed? <laughs> oh yeah, that is a very, <laughs> there's a detour right there. Yeah. I think when I was a kid, I battled depression pretty hard. I was uh, always the kid that would wish that things would happen again. And, oh, you know, this holiday will never happen again. So I'm just going to stalk out yes. my, in my room for a while. And, you know, there wasn't a name for that that I knew of back in the day. I thought that was just part of being a kid. And then I didn't have a name for it really until... Uh, when my grandpa passed, so 2012, I didn't leave my house for two weeks when he passed. And the whole genesis of the character that I create, Yerman, was made during that time. It was a self-portrait that I did. And when I looked down, that was how I was feeling. And so I continued doing that character because it got a positive response and it made me feel better about myself, you know, because every day I was in my house, not changing clothes, you know, not leaving my couch or my bed really, or, you know, moving minimally, but then I'd get a positive response online. So it helped me kind of like get the, the Momentum. courage to, you know, start being a, a, a normal person of society. And so when I started learning the lingo and researching it and all that stuff, that's when I started realizing, okay, so I have all the symptoms of depression and anxiety. My character helped me. So I'm going to keep drawing him and the rest is history. Yeah. I identify so much. I didn't realize I had depression clinically until much later. But when you said that about holidays as a kid, I identified with that so much, especially the piece about, like, I remember 
liking Christmas Eve more than I liked Christmas, like the anticipation and then that like down sadness of of just just being really sad even as a kid in these ways that I couldn't really explain and lonely even though I was surrounded by people which now I understand I still feel the same way it's interesting it's like our brains are our brains you yeah. know just we're in tinier bodies absolutely yeah I, I can completely identify with that too I mean Christmas Eve was always the the high point of it and then you right. get to the day and it's like oh well this is gonna end and when yeah. it ends it's gonna be a really it's gonna be a you know slow burn down and I think I didn't start shaking that until I started going into therapy a few years ago and mm-hmm. I started getting the tools to realizing that the ups and downs are dangerous. It's just finding that momentum yeah. right in the middle. And uh, there's a really good story that my therapist tells me about a, a man and his horse and how no matter what happens, uh, it's not good nor bad. It just is. And so that helped me a lot because now I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So I could be doing something that's incredible and I can be happy about it and excited about it. But if I get too overly excited about it, that yeah. low when it ends is going to be even lower. And so I know my family growing up was really big about pumping things up and making mm-hmm. things really big. You know, birthdays have to be huge and and every event has to be gigantic so we can cover up, you know, the things we don't want to talk about. Yeah. And so that was tough for me to shake that and start talking openly about things. So when yeah. I started doing public speaking and things like that, it was it was a lot of weight that I had to shift around on my body. And okay, cool. Now I can feel comfortable doing that. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm someone who tends to have high highs and low lows. And my therapist told me something that maybe is useful to you too, of I need to learn to control that dial to be more here than up and down. And yeah, as a kid, similar family dynamic of really amping up big things, big birthdays and that sort of thing meant so much that it's been challenging for me as an adult in relationships and just, you know, I'm sure you can identify with like having a big work thing or having something exciting and then the up and down from that. And especially someone who works for myself and is, you know, doesn't have a steady life, you know, it's definitely interesting for the mental situation I have going on. Yeah, absolutely. Especially being, uh, self-employed or, you know, doing freelance work at home, or it's, it's tough to make a schedule sometimes that's conducive to proper mental health tactics, you know? Yeah. But it's also, there's so much flexibility to allow rest and, but that can also be scary. I don't know. And I think we live in a society too, where like, we're always told to be on all the time, you know, be connected at all times. And, and I think especially when you work for yourself and and on your own time, if you're not working, you're kind of have like this weird voice in your head. You're like, you should be doing this. And you're like, oh no, I should be. And I've been wearing sweatpants for eight days. Yeah. It's like, you're kind of never working, but always working and you don't feel the markers of of success. Let's let's talk about that a little bit since we're in the Little Space Lounge, which sure. is about getting off of your phone and having in-person connections over digital ones. As someone who runs their own business and works for yourself and just a person in the world, what is your relationship to social media and, and your phone? I have a love-hate relationship with my phone and social media because on the one hand, social media is the it was the jumping board or the diving board for my career. I mean, it was the thing that made me feel better about drawing and being vulnerable and coping. But then on the other hand, I catch myself doing that primitive hand motion of just swiping with my thumb mm-hmm. to the point where I'm like, I don't even know what I'm looking at anymore. It's just like addicting. It's almost like a, a slot machine where it just gets addicting to pull the handle after a while. You don't know if you're actually winning because you're Such just pulling Vegas, it. Such a Las Vegas analogy. Yeah. <laughs> I've never used one, but I, I, it's very timely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's it's true. I mean, like 
that just becomes an addicting motion. And I know for me personally, if I don't limit myself, then I will just get lost in the swipes. And it's really easy to do that. And I know it's not just me, but all I know is my own journey. And uh, I see that happen a lot with people too. So like I said, it's a love-hate relationship. Like I have everything to thank for it and I run my business from it. And I meet new people over social media that become brand advocates and things like that. But I have to try to be healthier about it a lot of the times too. I'm still practicing it almost every day of just telling myself, okay, is this conducive to your mental health or not? Are you getting addicted to these things or not? Just trying to figure out the healthiest approach to it. I'm constantly trying to turn to it mindfully instead of automatically, like in line or when I'm waiting and just having those bored moments instead of going to it habitually. Because, you know, I was just talking to someone in an earlier conversation about how, you know, this is like the biggest social experiment we're conducting. We don't know what this is going to do to our mental health, regardless of, you know, what the situation up there is for anyone. Yep. It's bad. I've been doing the same exact thing, actually, where it's just, it's become second nature where if you're waiting for something now, you just reach for your phone because for some reason it feels more comfortable to be looking at your friends, I guess. I mean, I guess it makes sense, but I was getting bad about this game called Pokemon Go, which was oh my gosh, <laughs> so dorky that. to yeah. say, but some of my murals are included in it. And so someone was showing me and I was like, oh, cool, maybe I should start playing again. And then it got to the point where I was just on it all the time and just not being healthy about it where like I'd be waiting or walking or in the middle of a conversation or whatever. And I'm just like, I got to throw this Pokeball or I'm not going to catch this Snorlax and it's going to feel terrible. And so once I deleted that from my phone, I was like, oh man, that thing gripped me pretty hard. So I am officially uh, two months clean from Pokemon Go and it feels great. Congratulations! Thank you so much. (laughs) So, So let's talk about your murals. You're a talented street artist and you mentioned a little bit your... Yerman, the sad Yeti, but talk about your brand, Depressed Monsters, and you know what's been most surprising with it. Sure. So yeah, as I said earlier, it started in 2012 when my grandfather passed. Um, it was a self-portrait that I did. I was doing watercolors as my medium at the time. I had just started exhibiting my art prior to that with a collective that I had started with a friend called the 80s Kids. And so we we're doing 80s inspired art, stuff like uh, Weird Al Yankovic with Pee Wee Herman's body or something, cool. you know, just really goofy stuff. And it was going well. And then when my grandfather passed, it made me kind of reconsider everything. And, and, you know, why do I do art? Is it to make money or is it to fulfill a need within myself? And so the self-portraits are something that I've done since I was a kid. And so this was the first time I started doing self, uh, self-portraits as like monsters and different characters and things like that. So every night I would do a self-portrait. And like I said, the Yerman, the Yerman self-portrait was the first time that I was like, yes, that's, that's it. That's the way I feel. And so... I started leaving my house again. I started going to coffee shops and uh, started getting better, more acclimated, I guess I could say. Um, I was still dealing with my depression and my anxiety, but I was being healthier about it. So one thing led to another. I I just started to do a run of shirts soon after that, and those sold out. And so when that happened, I was like, okay, well, if this is garnering some attention from other people and people understand the message without even me having to say it, maybe there's something primal here and maybe there's something important here. And so I just kept focusing on Yerman. I started trying to push myself through boundaries that I had. I'd never done a mural before, so I just did one. And then I started, you know, understanding the dimensions are different. And so I would change Yerman a little bit. And I remember the first time I had him smiling, people online freaked out. They're like, why is he smiling? What? He's he's happy? And I was like, well, I'm happy. So, Mm. because I'm fulfilling myself now and I'm doing something that makes me truly, truly happy. And so um, sometimes he'll have tentacles. Sometimes he'll have just his body. Sometimes he'll be holding things. And it all depends on my mental state. Sometimes the color changes on him. 
if he's a darker color, I'm going through something usually. If he's a lighter color, I'm usually in a better headspace. Mm -hmm. And so every mural I make kind of depends on where I'm at in my life. And so I so like cool. it because if it's like a retrospective almost about yeah. uh, where I've been and, yeah. and where I'm heading. And so, uh, yeah, it's been good. There's been a lot of uh, cool opportunities with murals and yeah. I've adapted it to public speaking now. So I travel the country and do public uh, speaking and it just kind of depends on the day and here we are at Emerge. Isn't it funny to think about your body of work? And I love that he's a representation of how you're feeling emotionally. I've done this podcast since 2013 and we're getting close to 300 episodes. And Congratulations, it's such, that's awesome. Thanks. It's such a mirror of where I am, the questions I'm asking, what I'm talking about, and to see that growth and have that out in the world is it's in, it's interesting. It's it it's a it's cool to put your how you're feeling into making work. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's healthy for especially people with our temperament. Yeah, it's scary at first for sure, but once you get over the roadblocks and start being comfortable with being vulnerable and not wary of the unknown, I think there's a lot of payoff for it. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about how depression and anxiety are invisible until you get close enough to someone where they can't hide it and they see you. And I think that happens in really close friendships, romantic relationships for sure, and maybe family if you're living at home, but not, not really. And I feel like depressed monsters makes the monsters that we have inside of us visible. And that's what I really identified with when I when I discovered your work. Is that how you feel about it? Was that a goal? I think the original goal was to feel better. And then after I started dealing with my depression in a, in a healthier way, then the goal was to expand into other mediums. And then when I saw that it was helping other people, then the goal was to do public speaking. And so I've kind of taken it like one step at a time. But I think that that is a very important aspect to it. I do... Um, when I do travel now, I, I have a portion of my talk where I draw depressed monsters with the audience. And so it's, it's interesting for me because I see all my things online. And mm -hmm. so it's hard for me to connect with someone online because there's something lost. You and I are sitting across from each other and we can see body language and the way I blink yeah. and things like that. And I can, we could read each other, but online it's more so okay, thank you. That means a lot because you said something nice, but that's kind of where it ends. And so when I do the talks and I can actually draw with people, it resonates with me deeper because then we can get deeper down into it. And sometimes people will share their journeys with me with their own mental health. And I think that's the most privileged state that I could be in because they're trusting me with something that's so personal. They can't share with their friends or family sometimes. Yeah. A lot of the times people are coming from the same space I am where they're coming from very conservative households that they can't talk about it yeah. because it's shown as a sign of weakness. And so for me, it's being able to connect with someone on that level is, is really great, really personal. Um, there's actually one kid that still draws his monster. It's called Maurice and he hangs out with Yerman and, and it's really cool. And so, you know, it's things like that that makes me want to keep doing it because I can sell a t-shirt and I can sell a print and that's cool, but that's the business side of it. What makes me really keep going is the emotional side of it and actually being able to connect with people. And that, I mean, I wouldn't trade it for anything else. Yeah, that's talking about something invisible being visible. I think my eating disorder, which is how what I talk about a lot in the podcast and have for years, and I think that that's a external expression, much like your Yerman, of an internal struggle yeah, of, with depression and anxiety that was subconscious, you know, when it started for me. But that sharing with someone publicly 
because for me, and I, I'm assuming this is probably the case for you and probably a lot of the people that are fans of your work, sometimes it's easier to share about these sorts of heavy things with strangers than it is with people that you know. Absolutely. And making people feel less alone is like the only goal of this this podcast, maybe to entertain people, but yeah. really to, to make people feel less alone. And I feel like that's what that's what your work does so much. And I feel like depression is such an isolating isolating condition that it's so needed. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. I mean, no one can understand your depression. I mean, my yeah. depression feels different than your depression or yeah. my neighbor's depression. 100%. And so that's why it's so hard to, to talk about and pinpoint sometimes. We did a campaign last year called Stay Sad. The point of that one was when I first started talking about my depression, my family members said, stop being sad or friends said, stop being yeah. sad. And that's so common with people that are just experiencing depression for the first time is that their loved ones say, just get over it. Stop being sad. And it's written about people talk about this all the time. So the point of the campaign was for me personally, when I had those initial conversations, that was the, that was the point of the conversation starting with those people. And now they understand it because I've been able to tell them, Hey, depression's not just sadness. That's one small portion of it, but it's all encompassing. It makes you feel like you're drowning. It makes yeah. you feel like you're not in control. And so that was the start of the conversation. So the point of the campaign for me was if this starts a conversation, let's start it there and then we'll move forward. Because I think there is a stigma around saying sad around depression. And mm -hmm. I think that we should just all just own it. Yeah. You might think that I'm sad, but if that's what you understand as depression, then that's what you understand. And then let's start the conversation from right. there. And actually, let me explain it to you a little bit deeper. Because it's more nuanced than sad. Like right. some, I'll have days today, yesterday, where I felt like deeply sad and cried, but also had like moments of joy, right. you know, because I think depression and anxiety are so linked. And, and also just, I think because we feel so deeply in one direction, it means we can feel even higher in the other direction. And those things aren't mutually exclusive, but it's really hard to articulate that. Yep. And it makes people uncomfortable to talk about feeling both. It's, Absolutely. It doesn't make sense. Yep. I wrote a book last year called Brains or Buttheads. <laughs> and that was like my favorite thing I ever coined because it's the absolute truth. Like my brain is the biggest butthead in the world. I don't understand it half the time because of the things that you just said where yeah. I could feel these these joys and then all of a sudden start questioning everything. And then that night I'm, I'm super bummed out for no reason other than maybe something triggered it or something like right. that. And so, yeah, I'm still learning every day too. Well, I wrote this down to ask you because I think it's really interesting and it's something I'm thinking about a lot, but how do you communicate your mental, obviously you're very public about this, but how do you communicate your mental health in relationships, in romantic relationships with people who maybe don't feel what you're feeling exactly, no one will, but sure. how do you articulate that? Because like you said, some, you're high and then you're low and it can be, I've really struggled with communicating that to other people in my life. Yeah, it's tough. It's really tough because you almost feel like it's a burden on that other person. You know, you feel like, oh, this isn't fair that they have to experience my depression with me. I try to be as honest as possible in all aspects of my life. And so that's a really big portion of my life because it is something I'm thinking about pretty much every day at this point. Mm -hmm. And so I just try to open up as much as possible. And at first it was me not having the right lingo and just saying, I'm really hard to date. And then thinking that was enough, but that's not enough at all. And so as I learn new things about myself, I try to open up more to my girlfriend and tell her more things about that I'm learning or trying to work on. Self-improvement's really big for me. And so I really try to focus on self-improving every day and trying to figure out why I act a certain way or who I'm fighting against, you know, because 
I noticed with me personally, and this might be oversharing, but when I get in arguments, I'm not arguing with that person. I'm arguing against maybe my dad when I was eight years old, totally. or I'm arguing totally. against like a friend that said something bad. And then I have to like reel it in and go, dude, what are you, this mm-hmm. isn't even, you're not even arguing about the same thing. So Reactive, why are you arguing? Yeah. And so it is difficult. I mean, I think that's, that's a really tough thing to bring up in a relationship, especially like if you're just getting to know somebody, when is the right time to, you know, be honest about it? Yeah. And you're also like, for me, I feel like I'm just getting to know myself. So to, it, I've struggled in relationships because I don't have the language to, I'm just figuring it yeah. out, much less to explain it to another person. So I feel like the more self-aware I get, the better I know myself, which will hopefully keep happening until I die. Hopefully that will get easier, yeah. you know? <laughs> and even if it doesn't, I mean, I think, I think it's just important just to be focused on it and put it top of mind, yeah. you know? But that is a really good question. I've never been asked that before. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. So you mentioned therapy and you mentioned that your depression is helped by your creative work and drawing and making art. So where are you with it now? How do you experience your depression? Are you going to therapy? Do you take medication? What is what is your Yeah, I go plan? to therapy once a week. I see the same therapist. I actually took a break for a few years because I wanted to see how I would act without a therapist and see how my mental state was. Mm-hmm. And I thought I had learned all the tools that I need to. Because I think that to me personally, and I know it's different for everybody. I think that therapist shopping is very important. Like you should always totally. go and pick a therapist that's right for you. And so my goal was to, I was maybe going to go therapist shop and I just ended up not doing it. And then uh, recently this year, actually, I started going back to the same therapist because I needed to re-up on those tools. And so for me, therapy is very important. Like I said, I go once a week now. And then self-expression is very big to me. If I can paint, that makes me feel a lot better. As the business grows though, it's harder for me to carve out time to be creative. And so that's kind of taxing. But it's also lucky because I'm being hired to do murals. And so that's still self-expression. But then you get into the weird conundrum of, am I making this for myself or for somebody else? And then, okay, so what's the difference? I'm still expressing myself. And so, I don't know. There's a lot that goes into it. It's really, the minds are... A whole cocktail of things. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. You said on another podcast, which I listened to, that self-improvement is about being lazy or not. And I really, I really liked that. And you mentioned a second ago that self-improvement is something you're into. Yeah. Can you say more about what you meant by that? Yeah. Cause I think I said that wrong. That was the most recent podcast I was on. I don't know if it's, that's not what I meant by it, by being lazy or not. I just think that it's something super important to focus on. And it's something that you have to dedicate a lot of brain power to and a lot of mental clarity toward. And it's tough and it's not easy. And I feel like people might give up because it is so hard and no one wants to think about themselves all the time and how they're wronging people or how their depression affects people or how it affects themselves. And so self-improvement, it's like, it's like almost like a mind over matter type thing for me personally. Like it's something well, that's I have why to I like really what dedicate. you said, because it's like you're choosing to either, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Cause you have to like, some days it's really hard to, to want to do that, especially when you're, when you're sad. Yeah. So anyway, I, I, I liked, I liked but that. But I like that you brought that up because I was thinking about that comment for like days after. And I, was I liked like, it. Oh Isn't God, did funny? I say that right? And yeah. that, like, that is anxiety. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> this is so funny. And that this, this shows that like anxiety is just in your head. Cause I was like, I kind of liked it. I mean, okay, I can good. see how like it might be come off as like, you know, every time someone's lazy, it doesn't mean that's bad. Sometimes things are just really hard, but right. self-improvement is is the opposite of being lazy. When you do do something that improves yourself, you're 
definitely not being lazy. Right. I don't know. It stuck out to well, me. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad that it resonated with you because, yeah, like I said, well, now I can I make your anxiety go away. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's the whole reason I, I, just melt I wrote in this it couch down. Now. What about anxiety? I feel like we haven't really touched on that. How do you experience your anxiety? Panic attacks. I have panic attacks. I sweat. Same. I twitch a little bit. I my I get headaches. It's the worst. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> what do you do to to help with that? What are some anxiety? Plan better. I'm the worst planner. Same. The worst. And so we have our showcase tomorrow night, and there's been so much work that's been gone going into it for the past like six months. And so delegating and trying to make sure everything goes smoothly has been a good practice in trying to curb my anxiety. Because when this first started, I was like, oh, this is going to be one of those anxious times in my life. And honestly, like, I feel like I've handled it okay. Like the, the events tomorrow and I'm like smooth sailing right now. So Great. we had an art piece delivered yesterday from Portland. And so that came in smooth. And like, I could have easily just been like, oh God, he's going to get in a wreck and I'm never going to get it. And he's, he's going to get hurt. And I'm yeah. just so, so scared about that. You know what I mean? And, and, I'm proud of you. And instead, thank you. And instead I was just like, you know what? It's going to get here. It's going to be great. Yeah. And we're all going to have a good time. Yeah, it's funny that same for me. I'm doing eight interviews in, in two days. I usually do like two a week or something, you know? And I found out that I'm giving a talk tomorrow. And I could have been anxious about that. I could have started spinning, but I was just like, it's going to be what it's going to be, yeah. you know? Which is so, Amanda knows that's very rare for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's good though. Yeah, you know, you, you take the take the wins because there's a lot, there's a lot yes, of anxious days to, to go with that. Absolutely, yeah. You got to take the wins where you can. Yeah, and, and speaking of a win with, depression and anxiety and, and mental health. You said also in this other podcast that you're always having ideas and constantly changing and evolving and obviously very creative. Do you think that that's as a result of your mental health? Yeah, I think it is. I'm always trying to... I think it's hard being a visual artist right now because we're surrounded by so many visual arts. I feel like this is probably the first time in history where visual arts is just around us all the time through Instagram and through um, just events and things like that, especially in this city. And so I'm always trying to make sure that I'm not copying somebody or getting inspired where I shouldn't be or where, you know, where is this coming from deep down? So when I make an art piece, I sit on it for at least a week before I post it or talk about it or anything like that, just because I want to make sure that there's nothing tied to it that could be one negative, two, that I'm not understanding fully about myself or the message I'm trying to convey, or three, that it's just like something that I actually want to show because I'm doodling all the time and I don't post those because they're just kind of whatever doodles for, for myself. Yeah. And then when I do show something, I want to make sure that it's portraying the best version of myself. And so mm -hmm. recently I just posted a, a picture of Yerman covered in ears. And that one was really important to me because it's a message I've been trying to convey simply in a, in a, for a long time. And it's, it's so funny because like you see it and you go, Oh yeah, that's, that's simple. Why couldn't you have done that? But everyone's brain is so complicated where it's like, I don't know why it took me so long to get there, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's, it's total anxiety. It's total, total mental health things that go into it of, of, is this good enough? Is this bad? You know, whatever it is. I'm sure yeah. you experience that with the podcast too. Yeah. My anxiety really pools in figuring out not so much with the podcast. Cause for some reason I'm just like, this is what it is. I put it out there and I don't have that anxiety with it. Lately, it's been with Instagram of like, oh, yeah. what should I post? Is this good enough? Should I do? How does it look in the grid? Like, it's embarrassing. How And my anxiety pulls in lots of different areas. But the amount of thought that I've put to something that's just like, come on, just just post it. And I, Instagram is designed to do that. That's a whole thing with the, the algorithm of like, you know, it'll put 
the, your last three posts, it, it purposely makes the amounts different, even though the photo is the same. But, and it likes faces and it likes selfies. And it, so when you put something that's not that, it's just, anyway, it's getting into your head to judge what you're putting out and overthinking things. And I do that so much with like conversations and things I said. And did I say that thing right? Did I make this person feel cozy and safe? And just the amount of spinning that, that happens is saying it right now I feel like I need a deep breath <laughs> but I but I totally get that of um yeah Instagram you know. is is the it's so strong I had to recently hire somebody to take it over and so we're elevating the look of Instagram right now just to make sure that it looks on par with with how I want it to look essentially and so that was a big thing for me because I'm so protective of the brand yeah that I want to make sure that I have my hands on every part of it and so up until last year I was folding and and sewing and attaching all the hang labels or hang tags for all of our wholesale orders. I was doing everything out of my house because I, it was, I was so protective of it and I didn't trust anybody else to do it. And then as soon as I let that go, I realized, okay, I can help more people by not focusing on this aspect and focusing on perfecting my talks and now doing that. And then Instagram was the same way where I was like, I need to show the clothing better on Instagram. So how do I do that? Well, I can't do it because I'm not a great photographer. And so connect the dots there. And, and so that was the hardest thing for me is just letting go and being okay and comfortable with other people touching the brand. Yeah. And so Instagram is was the catalyst for so many panic attacks. And because you're exactly right. I mean, they, they, the algorithm makes it so some pictures do well, but others don't. It doesn't make sense. To always keep you guessing. It changes it. So if it was consistent, and it used to be years ago, it was like consistent. Yeah. I'd get the same amount every time. And then now it's so inconsistent. And right. It's, 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 it's terrible. Like it's just, it's pushing everyone's further into depression and anxiety because we're constantly battling each other and competing yeah. to be the coolest. Yeah. So it's a weird world we live in. Okay. It these really are the, is. these are quick fire questions. Okay. Some of them are actually quick and some of them are not, okay. um, but I'll warm you up with some easy ones. All right. Sounds good. Best thing you've eaten in the last week. Uh, we have a sushi spot out here. We go to all the time that I'm obsessed with. So definitely sushi. She's so good. Yeah. We had it last night as well. <laughs> What's your favorite song or music that you're listening to lately? Uh, Hobo Johnson and the Lovemakers, which is why I'm so excited that he's on my showcase tomorrow. I'm Great. like freaking out. Yeah. So cool. Favorite part of your life right now? Uh, the growth. Experiencing new things and being comfortable with change and constantly making sure I'm being the best version of myself for not only myself, but my friends and family and my girlfriend. Cool. What are you most afraid of but you're doing anyway? Most afraid of? Mm -hmm. Probably everything. Everything about what I'm doing right now is scary. Just, I mean, even being on this podcast is scary. Like, I have to ramp myself up to be on podcast because it's like it's scary to talk about yourself, you know, and constantly think about how do I say this in a different way that could be me, you know, more meaningful for somebody else. Or I don't know. It's just, it's constant, constantly battling. Well, you're doing great. Thank you. So are you. <laughs> Thank you. It's like you're a professional or something. I feel like we need validation all, I don't know if <laughs> yeah. that's just me or I don't know. If, um, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> it's, it's nice to hear. <laughs> so what's your life like? We always talk about morning and evening routines. What are maybe the first three things you do when you wake up in the morning and the last three things you do before you go to sleep? I'm going to, okay. What I wish I was still doing is waking up, doing my affirmations, meditating and focusing on how great the day is going to be because that's what I was doing for the longest time. But now I am waking up, checking my phone, answering emails and getting right into the day. And it's just so not healthy. And so that's something I'm actually trying to work on is getting back into the affirmations, telling myself that I'm, I'm good enough and things like that and doing my mantras and all that stuff. And then for nighttime, I'm usually, I try to do something creative when I can, 
but usually it's relaxing at night because I feel like the days are so busy now where it's the only time I can really relax is before bed. So I'll try to... Video games to me are super important when they're healthy, you know, because I feel like a lot of people get lost in video games, mm -hmm. especially uh, the younger generation right now. But to me, video games are, are awesome because they let me escape to another world and yeah. feel like I'm doing something, you know, adventurous and all that stuff. Yeah. And I've been really into VR lately, which is funny because it's uh, it sounds so dorky. I'm like, yeah, I'm into VR. But it's it's really cool because you're fully engrossed in these worlds and, and the storytelling is so interesting because people have to figure out different ways to tell a story. And so you're doing it through different movements and different viewpoints. And, cool. and I really like narrative storytelling. And so in video games, it's there's a genre, it's called walking simulators and you're experiencing stories around you. And so you get to be in the shoes of someone that you're not. So there's one called Edith Finch that I just played. And you're a woman that's going through like your family history. Oh, yeah. And it's beautiful. It's, it's wonderfully done. And so I like experiences, like when I read a graphic novel, it's the same way. I like to read about stories and memoirs. I just read Stitches. I don't know if you've heard of Stitches, mm -hmm. but it's about a boy um, who grows up in an abusive family. And he gets cancer of the neck. And turns out his dad's the one that gave it to him through radiology. And it's mm -hmm. him dealing with those feelings of anger and resentment and finding out things about his mother that he didn't know and it's it's beautifully done and so i like i like those two aspects of video games and and graphic novels of yeah vivid storytelling yeah cool so when you're having a bad day or a bad moment how do you pivot what do you do if you're you know in the middle of the work day and you're feeling anxious or you're feeling depressed what are things that you do that help there's a breathe app that i really like i just recently got an apple watch and so when it feels the, the heartbeat is elevated. It'll tell you to breathe. Wow. And so I was having a panic attack actually last week, I think it was. I think it was on my way to the therapy appointment actually. So yeah, last Wednesday and I was driving and I was just feeling so anxious. I was couldn't catch my breath and all that stuff. And then this is the first time I actually I saw this happen where my watch is, it vibrates and it goes, you should breathe for a minute. Wow. And I was like, okay, I'll try it. And I did it. And it really, really helped. So recently it's been that. But before that, it was just telling myself that this is temporary, things will be okay. Everything always works out how it's supposed to. Yeah. That's kind of my mantra. Yeah. When I can remember to do that. Yeah. It's helpful. Sure. It's always about remembering. Yeah. What are you most curious about right now? I think I'm most curious about ways to tell stories in different ways. Like I just talked about with VR and stuff. Because storytelling to me is very important. It's that whole aspect of the brand. Whenever I speak about it or paint, I always have stories behind everything. So any mural, any painting, I mean, the brand itself is built on a story of something that happened to me. And so I was working with the VR company last year to bring Yerman into the VR space. And so that was really cool because I was able to take that VR space and bring Yerman into it in a way that was not a painting. And so one of the ideas, well, actually I shouldn't tell this on a podcast. So anyway, so it's okay. vivid storytelling is what I'm cool. really curious about right now. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. To be continued. Yeah. Next hopefully. time you'll tell hopefully me Hopefully everyone it. can experience it. Yeah. <laughs> you obviously get a lot done and are very productive. What do you do to not feel overwhelmed and stay organized? Have you had any productivity tips come your way that have been helpful? Yeah. My girlfriend's parents just sat down with me and helped me with list making and figuring out how to get more done during a day in like a conducive, healthy manner. And I'm super appreciative of that. Wait, I need that. Yeah. What did great. you learn? Because I'm terrible about lists. Like when I do a list, I'll make a list of five things and then I'll make a list of five things on another piece of paper. And then I'll have a list on a whiteboard. Then I'll have a list on my phone. And then I'll have a list 
you know, written on my hand or whatever. Uh-huh. And it's like 28 things that math doesn't add up, but 25 yeah, things yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And they're all scattered everywhere. So I'm not actually getting them all done because I'm losing lists and all that stuff. And so just the simple act of just making a list in one spot, checking it off and that physical feeling of checking it off has been super helpful for me. I know list making is not the most like groundbreaking thing, but exclusive <laughs> yeah. new idea it here first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So list making has been really helpful for me. And then just really pushing myself to see the ending to things because I'm so invested in, in starting things and the middle part that I have the hardest yeah. time finishing things. Same. Yeah. Like it's cause it's so fun to start something and be excited about it and tell your friends about it and tell everyone about, yep. Oh, look what I'm starting. Yeah. But then like you start doing it and the journey is super fun too. But then that ending's where I just kind of fall off. And so I'm trying to be yeah. better about that. Me too. If I had a penny for every idea that that I had, Amanda, that's <laughs> undone. But it, it's interesting that I th- I heard this somewhere probably on another podcast about how when you tell someone about a new idea that you're about to start or you're excited or maybe you've even started, you shouldn't do that so much because which you stopped yourself on the podcast a second ago, yeah. not because someone's going to take your idea, but because you actually get a hit of dopamine that you would get uh, if it's getting done. And you'll get so high on that like pre-dopamine that like it won't launch you to actually finish it and put it in the world. interesting. I think I, when I was starting my career back in like my early 20s, this is before Depressed Monsters, I would always have, I'm always really big on, being excited about something. That's always been the thing that pushes me is have something to look forward to. Yep, and if I can have something to be excited about, then it keeps me not happy, but not depressed. Well, it goes back to holidays as a kid. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I would always have things that I was working on, big grandiose plans, and I would call my parents or something like that or friends. And those things don't always happen because you're just calling the person right when you find out the news. And so it got to the point where certain people would just be like, oh yeah, whatever happened to that? Oh yeah, how come you never finished anything? Why don't you? And I was like, okay, I need to be more protective of yeah. my stuff now and just not trust people with these things anymore. I've, I've realized that too. It's, it's, a, it's a difficult balance. It is. Okay, greatest lesson on relationships. Oh, sh- can I curse on this? Yes. Oh shit. Uh, that's a tough one. Uh, I know, that's why I ask. Yeah. Someone should tell me the greatest tip on relationships. I think just being honest. I mean, what I try to do with my girlfriend is just try to be as honest as possible and let her know that I'm not perfect, that I'm learning too, and I'm dead and I'm devoted to self-improvement and trying to be better, you know, the, the betterest version yeah. of myself for myself and for her. Just getting the best version. And uh yeah, that I think that's super important. As long as both people are Focused on self-improvement and self-care and focused on each other and being there for the right reasons of love and pushing each other to be better, then I think that's all you can really ask for. Totally. You're doing great. (laughs) Greatest lesson on creativity. Okay. Now that's what I can talk about. Let's see here. I think don't be afraid of being vulnerable because things are going to be scary. They're going to hurt. They're going to not be fun all the time, but you have to push through that. And don't be afraid of criticism because that's where you learn the most. Like, even if someone's given you really negative criticism or negative feedback, just kind of take it. Don't get offended. Don't get mad and just try to see their viewpoint and try to adapt to it and then still be true to yourself. Like that's the most important It's just make art for yourself, be creative for yourself and don't ever make it for anybody else. Don't do it for money Yeah, because that's the worst thing you could do. There's a great David Bowie quote about that exact piece. Really? Yeah, about how when he stopped making art for himself is when it got bad. And when he 
went back to making art for himself, it got better. That's probably why his last album is so amazing. Because he yeah. was making it because he was like, I only have three months left. Let's make something for myself. Yeah, the like, actual Lazarus quote is amazing. Is really great. I can't remember it, but I'll send it to you. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, and put it in the show notes. Okay, so we always end with recommending things. So this is just a way of recommending whatever your like all-time favorites or just things you're currently really into. So you already mentioned some music, but maybe more music, book, podcast, food, TV show, maybe something in Las Vegas that okay. people should check out. When I'm working, I have uh, this YouTube channel called In Your Chill, and it's all chill wave and lo-fi trip hop, which oh, is super great. cool. And then I'm super into vaporwave, which is uh, down-tempo 80s music to chill wave beats, basically. And if you heard that other podcast, then you probably hear, heard me talk about mall soft music then, right? I think I'm, I have a bit more to listen to. Okay, I might so, have not gotten to the very I'm end. Repeat this one. I'm so sorry, but I'm really passionate about this great. genre of music. It's called mall soft. And so... It's a subgenre of vaporwave, and it's supposed to make you feel like you're in a mall in the 1980s, but you're all by yourself walking through department stores. Whoa. It's absolutely amazing. I'm and in. so there's this one album that's uh, it's about Kmart, and so it's all these cassette tapes from Kmart to down tempo music. So I really recommend that. Yeah. And then as far as anything else goes, uh, books. There's a lot of good graphic novel memoirs that that I recommend. So Blankets is really good. Stitches is awesome. And then I just read Logic's new book, Supermarket. That one was amazing. He talks about some of his own journey with mental health that he adapted into a, a book of fiction. That it's really good. Like he's a first time author, but he's a rapper too. So he yeah. knows how to write, obviously. And the way he talks about some things are just, it's really, really good. And probably write succinctly. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And so there's nothing grandiose about it. There's nothing, all the words are carefully chosen and yeah. it's just very to the point. And I kind of, I don't know if this is by design, but I knew what the book was going to be and how it was going to end from the be very beginning. And I don't want to spoil anything, but I think that was by design. And that's why I liked it so much because it's making me think more about, yeah. did he do this on purpose or it's it's really good oh that's really interesting okay so the name of this podcast is is called let it out as you know and we are really focusing on letting out what we call soft stories so vulnerable tender real stories the ones that i believe connect us so has someone let out something to you that was vulnerable or tender that made you feel less alone that you can think of right now or have you just experienced that i mean anytime i do public speaking people come up and they share their journey and I'm definitely not in the right place right now to be talking about someone else's journey and I right. would never share someone else's experiences. And so when people do that, it, it puts me in such a, like almost like a childlike state where I'm just like, Oh my God, like mm -hmm. this person wants to connect with me on that level. And it feels so, I don't know if, what the right word for it is. It's, it's, it's an unreal feeling when yeah. a stranger shares their deepest, darkest moments with you. And so that really, really resonates with me. And I try to be as gentle and careful as possible um, when that happens because I want to make sure that people know that like, I care, one, that I'm listening to and that I'm there with you. And if there's anything I can do, just let me know. And so I'm constantly sending out care packages and oh. things like that just to make sure that like, I just, community is really important to me. And the community that I've built around Depressed Monsters is is my everything like I, I it's truly truly special to me and so i want to make sure people know that this brand is just not about me and my journey but it's about everyone being honest about their own journey with mental health as well i love that 
So if you want a care package, I, I ran out of swag today. I was going to bring some. Same. We we have things. We, we'll see each other soon. Okay, we'll, sounds good. We can mail, mail stuff. <laughs> so we always end with a deep breath, but is there anything else? We'll do that together. But is there anything else that you wanted to share wish that I would have asked you? No, I think we covered a lot of ground on this podcast. Great. I, yeah. I feel like I just got out of a therapy session. Well, they, that's what they say. A good interview <laughs> should feel like therapy. All right. So we'll let, let it out together. So okay. inhale. Good for us anxious, depressed folks. Thank you for doing this, Ryan. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Isn't Ryan great? I really enjoyed talking to him. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation too. On to this week's Likes and Learns. So I saw a movie on Sunday, which is my like for the week. It's called Sword of Trust, and it is a independent film that features Mark Marin, who I also love. And I should give a little shout out to Mark Marin. Not that he will ever hear this, but he's a huge inspiration for me and this podcast. The 1000th episode of his podcast, I mentioned a couple episodes ago because him and his producer sat down and talked about the impetus of the show and that it was really a one man audio journal of his life. And then he also happens to interview celebrities and the president of the United States. And you guys know he interviewed Obama, right? It was like the biggest thing for podcasting. But anyway, I just kind of look at my show in the same way. I've really grown up over the past seven years on this show. And I appreciate you guys allowing me to share a bit about myself and the intros and outros. And of course, throughout the interviews, I want to make it a platform for other people and I want to move towards that more and more. However, I appreciate being able to let out pieces of my life. So I really love Mark Marin, and he does such a great job acting in this film. It's a Lynn Shelton film and it's mostly improvisational. So they had a light script. I actually saw a panel with Mark Marin and Lynn Shelton and our old friend, Josh Radner, who's done this podcast and is a friend of mine. He led this panel talking about the film and how it was made. And it's just such a beautiful piece of art. I think you guys should watch the trailer and try to go see it if it's in your city. And I'm sure it will be streaming eventually or probably pretty soon. But I loved the movie. It was really heartwarming. It made me feel feelings. I related to it in a lot of different ways. And it was topical in just the right way, but also very entertaining and funny, really funny. I think you guys will enjoy it. So that's the movie. It's called Sword of Trust. I'll link to it in the show notes. And you guys know you can get an email sent right to you with the show notes, right? I just want to make sure you all know that. And make sure you're on my email list for my Let It Out letter because I am going to be sending newsletters more frequently with a lot of different meanderings. If you like this likes and learn section, you'll love the emails, basically. If you don't, you might not like the emails, honestly. You probably aren't listening right now if you don't like them. So that's that. And then what have I been learning? I've been learning. I've been learning so much, you guys. So many lessons. So many uncomfortable lessons. Very uncomfortable lessons. I think lessons are uncomfortable. I think we learn through challenging things. And man, I've been having some challenging things. One of them is that I hurt my hip muscle. Butt muscle? Basically, I hurt my butt. I'm not sure if I told you guys this before or not. And then I hurt my foot. 
<laughs> it was like an overcompensating thing. And the point is I couldn't go to fitness classes, still can't. I can't really walk that much, which is very overwhelming for me because those things were a great way to distract myself, a great way to judge how productive I was, how good I was at the end of the day if I got these things done off my list. And for the past four months, I haven't been able to do any of them. And it's been very uncomfortable and it's been very jarring, but it's forced me to rest and to focus and to focus on work and to focus on launching this project. And I so want to just distract myself. You know, I just want to fill my schedule and not have to feel my feelings and be present with myself or make things. And it's like the universe just stepped in and was like, look, dude, you need to slow down. You need to focus. You need to sit down for a while and stop going to so many fitness classes and stop walking like so much and take the subway and rest and write and feel your feelings. And that's what I'm doing. And it's so uncomfortable, man. It's so uncomfortable and it's different and it's jarring. And my life today on July something 2019 is so incredibly different than it was a year ago or even six months ago. And I have so much change coming up in the next six months. I'm moving and I'm traveling and I'm launching this new project that I've been working on for over a year. And I'm launching a new podcast, like I mentioned. And here I am. I'm doing my best. Nothing is certain. Nothing is forever. Life is really intense and hard, but also beautiful and wonderful in equal measure. And I love you guys so much. I'm so happy that I do this podcast. Today's episode is made possible by Ned. Ned is a company that I love. I got to talk to the founders recently and they're these really lovely, kind people. Ned makes CBD products that are organic and whole and everything is slow crafted in small batches. They know their farmer who's this lovely, lovely guy who plays music for the plants and they make these full spectrum hemp products that are energetically infused with love and gratitude and positive vibes and I just really, really love this company. CBD has been really helpful to me and specifically Ned's products. I love them so much. They say that they make them with gentle, slow extraction. So they extract from the hemp flowers, otherwise known as the buds, and that makes their product different from anything else on the market. So what is CBD? CBD is not going to make you high. It can't. It just doesn't do that. It's the part that is non-psychoactive. It's not the same thing that you think of when you think of you know traditionally smoking weed cbd is like i said non-psychoactive but what it does help with is being a sleep aid it's been used to treat insomnia it can be anti-inflammatory it can be a natural pain reliever it's been used to help with anxiety and ptsd and to treat depression it's rich in antioxidants anyway it has a lot of benefits that different people use it for i'll tell you what i use it for i use it when i'm going out in a 
social situation or about to record a podcast, it just kind of smooths the edges and it just kind of makes me feel more in my body. I'll take it in the evening before bed sometimes. I'll put it a few drops in my smoothie or I'll just put it under my tongue. I really love it and I think you guys should try it. And if you want to get 15% off, well, do whatever you want. But, you know, if you want to try it, try it is what I mean. And if you want to get 15% off, definitely use the code let it out at checkout. That's let it out for 15% off and you also get free shipping. So you just go to www.helloned.com slash let it out and use the code let it out in the, you know, checkout and you'll get 15% off. Thank you for being my friends. If you like this show, share it, share it with a friend that you think would find it useful or interesting. Support everything Let It Out does on Patreon. Support the sponsors. I really do love Ned so much. CBD is very cool and useful. And I'm so excited for you guys to see the website. And I hope you like it. I'm so excited for you to hear my new podcast. I think you guys are really going to like that. A lot of cool stuff coming up. And I hope to see so many of you on August 14th. Mark your calendars. It's going to be such a fun event. And... I can't wait to celebrate with you guys. All right. I love you so much. I'll talk to you very soon. And I'm back. I forgot to give you the emoji for this episode. It is the monster girl or boy. There are two. I think they look like monsters and they don't look very depressed, but you know, it'll do. So comment that on my Instagram, on depressed monsters, Instagram, and let us know that you got all the way to the end. Love you. Bye.